June 9th, Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 29. Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and honorable fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he moved to Haran. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives, and come to the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole country would belong to Abraham and his descendants, though he had no children yet. But God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign country, where they would be mistreated as slaves for four hundred years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God told him, and in the end they will come out and worship me in this place. God also gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision at that time. And so Isaac, Abraham's son, was circumcised when he was eight days old. Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of the twelve patriarchs of the Jewish nation. These sons of Jacob were very jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him, and delivered him from his anguish. And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom, so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of all the affairs of the palace. But a famine came upon Egypt and Canaan. There was great misery for our ancestors as they ran out of food. Jacob heard that there was still grain in Egypt, so he sent his sons to buy some. The second time they went, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, and they were introduced to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent for his father Jacob and all his relatives to come to Egypt, seventy-five persons in all. So Jacob went to Egypt. He died there, as did all his sons. All of them were taken to Shechem, and buried in the tomb Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. As the time drew near when God would fulfill His promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. This king plotted against our people and forced parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. At that time Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When at last they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter found him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he became mighty in both speech and action. One day, when he was forty years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. During this visit, he saw an Egyptian mistreating a man of Israel. So Moses came to his defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his brothers would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. 
Why are you hurting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside and told him to mind his own business. Who made you a ruler and judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian, where his two sons were born. Look, look, the great things in life, everything in life, happens for one reason, God. So, so what are you going to do? Really? I mean, don't you feel like that sometimes where you're just toiling in vain? You try to make something happen and it doesn't happen. You fight, 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 try to make something happen, whether it's a job, a position, a relationship, your stocks to rise, you know, whatever. You, you try to make it happen. It's like, you can't do anything. And then other times things just kind of fall on your lap, right? And you go, no way. And usually those are the greatest things in the world. And that's why I love that verse too. He goes, in vain. It's in vain you rise early. In vain you stay up late toiling for food to eat. It's this picture of this person that's stressed out. And he gets up early in the morning going, I got I to make this happen. This is killing me. I got to figure this out. He stays up all night going, man, how am I going to make this happen? And then there's this other picture of this other guy who's laying there in a bed. And the Bible says he gives to his beloved sleep. The force of that, that, that passage is saying that he gives to his beloved while they're sleeping. So I could be laying in bed and doing better than the person that's toiling, working, staying up all night, stressing out, trying to make this happen. And I can just go to bed at night and go, God, you love me, so what could go wrong? It's this beautiful picture of the way God wants us to live, understanding that we're beloved. We're his. And so why go through the day toiling and trying to make things happen apart from him when the bottom line is you'll be just working against him? He wants his beloved to sleep. He wants to give to us in our sleep. He commands us to sleep. He commands us to rest. <laughs> take a Sabbath. Take a day off. I got it covered. Okay? Just rest. It's pretty awesome. You know, it's, it's interesting as I've been trying to apply this to my life because really my job, think about my job at the weirdest job in the world. My job is to make you love God more. I mean, if you want to boil it down to something simple, I'm supposed to help you love God more. But how do you make anyone love God? That's impossible. I can't make you love God. I can't make anyone believe in God. So I can work so hard at this perfect message, but the bottom line is, if, if there's some people in this room, okay, some of you, you just love God. You are just crazy about God, and you will love God, and you'll grow closer to God this week, regardless of anything I say. I could stand on the stage right now and tell you, whatever you do this week, do not read the Bible. Don't read it. Don't, please, just as a favor to me, okay? Just, just to me, just don't read it this week. Don't pray at all this week, okay? Please. I could sit here and beg you not to read your Bible, not to pray, but you'll walk out this door and go, I'm not listening to him. I love God, and I will not stop reading his word. I will not stop praying to him. No matter what I say to you, you will grow closer to God. And then there's other people in the room that I could give the greatest message and try to encourage you and use an example, you know, use all these illustrations, use all these facts where you go, yeah, 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 but at the end, you're not going to love God. You're not going to grow any closer to him. You're not going to walk away from your sin. I can't make you walk away from your sin. You love him more than God right now. And there's nothing I can do, nothing I can say to change that. So then what do I do? 
Well, how, how do I accomplish this? Because when I pray, you know, when I go, God, what would you want of Cornerstone Church right now? It's, it's not about numbers or anything else. It's, it's about, God, 